you're not going to be able to miss out on 1 John. And I would encourage you to read the Apostle's letter on your own this week. And uh, it's, it's 1 John where we will take our, our text this morning, but it also gives us our title, God is Love. Those are the words that, that John mentions twice when he's trying to encourage a group of Christians. I want to read to you this morning the text from 1 John, starting in chapter 4, verse 7. Let's give our attention to God's Word. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, let us continue to... Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we've not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And He has given us this command, those who love God must also love their fellow believers. This is the word of the Lord. So, three simple words, very well known. God is love. You're not going to find very many theological statements that can also give you warm fuzzies. Okay? There's not very many of those. But this one is one of them. I mean, it's a great and deep theological statement, but this is the sort of thing that you could write on a Valentine's Day card. This is the sort of thing you could put on some uh, you know, devotional poster. God is love. You could send out, you could do one of your Instagram, I'm reading the Bible, here's my coffee photos, and put in, 
you know, the, the, the most effeminate cursive script you could ever find. God is love. And everybody would be fine with that. And yet you'd be making an immense theological statement. God is love. It's perfect for worship, perfect for romantic moments, perfect even for political slogans. All we need is love. God is love. Vote whatever. It's powerful because it seems to imply that the reverse is true. And we like love. I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. It's much better than hate. We all experience hate. and We all know that there's things we hate. We use hate a lot. I hate wearing my mask. I hate COVID. Oh, we get it. That just means you're annoyed. But really, I mean, when it comes down to the intense, raw, undiluted versions of love and hate, most of it, we're going to go with love. We like love. So if we can say God is love, then what? We can distribute that math differently, can't we? And we can say that love is God? No. You do not want to do that. Love is not God. God is love. But love is not God. John is saying God is love, and he is letting us know that to turn it around the other way is dangerous. To assume that love is God corrupts love, and it leads us to worship false gods. I'm a big fan of C.S. Lewis, and uh, he, he doesn't just write Narnia and other stories, but he has a whole collection of writings. Uh, he's, a, he's a wonderful, just everyday philosopher. I've mentioned before he has a book called The Four Loves. It's one of the later works that he did in his life, in his career. And he, he picks up on this point that to say God is love is correct, but to turn it around and to say love is God turns love into a false God. And when you have a false God, you actually have a, a demon that it becomes corrupting and it becomes distorting. And it actually turns into, and these are his words, it, it changes our love into a complicated form of hate. And it took me a while reading that to really get what he was saying, but I think it does make sense. We have our selfish loves and we have our noble loves. We've talked last week about how we use this word love for so many things. And we can name our selfish loves, the lusts that we have, uh, sexual urges, sexual loves, love for money, greed. Scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil. We, we may even love some of our addictions. Some of them are socially acceptable. Some of them are not. We may love food. We may love food so much that we become gluttons. We may love our status. We may love our rank. We may love the way other peoples are supposed to see us. And yet, you know, each of us knows in our heart that these selfish loves are shameful. They're corrupting. They're controlling. We rarely mistake them for God's. After the Lord's Supper, Larry Roper is going to tell you about our celebrate recovery that's starting up tomorrow. Things are starting up again. It's exciting. And one of the things that we do in 12-step recovery, I do this, is we, we, we name these things that have caused us to uh, be ashamed so that they don't have power over us anymore. And I have my hurts and my habits and my hang-ups, but I've never 
never really mistaken them for a god. No, it's those noble loves, those noble, pure, grand ideas of love. These are the things that we get confused about and we mistake them for God because they are so good and they are so noble and they are so pure that sometimes we can't distinguish their voice from the voice of God. And while it's perfectly legitimate to say that God is love, when we say that love is God, then the allegiance and the devotion and the worship that we should only give to God goes to these other loves. And then they become distorted and corrupting. Things like relationships or the idea of romance. Some of us continually pray to God, God, help me to find that one person, that one person you want me to be with. I want to find the person that we were made for each other. And some of us wonder why we haven't experienced that in our own relationships. And that can become a God. But it's not a God. It's a love that's been distorted. Goodness, our own perfection. We need to love to do what's right, don't we? Scripture says we need to love mercy and do justice. And we can become so in love with our own ability to be perfect and to do good. Because we think that in doing so we're pleasing God even. And there God's voice and the voice of our own perfectionism get confused. And that love of things that are good and doing what's good becomes a false god. We can love creation. Who doesn't go out in creation and have a sense of awe? I mean, you can see things. We want to travel. We want to enjoy this, this planet. There are forces at work in our world that are huge, larger than any of us. And yet, when we confuse the creation with the Creator, and we give it our all, and we devote ourselves to it, it becomes a false god. And then, now get ready, okay, because I'm zeroing in on stuff. I mean, if you've been amening right now and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I hope some people hear this. Get ready because we're getting to that moment where we all need to hear it. Our own family. I love my family very much. I sacrifice for my family, and I'm glad to do so. And I, I, they, they mean so much to me. But that family love cannot become God. That family love is not God. In fact, I don't properly love my family unless I understand that God is love. And even our country. We care about our country. We love our homeland. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong for seeing God's favor blessing our homeland. But when we confuse love of country with God, then the love of country becomes godless, in fact. C.S. Lewis tells the story of a, of a friend of his, a clergyman, a man that he respected, and um, he asks him about this, and, and he says, uh, Sir, isn't it true, though, and don't we learn that you know, every person in every country says that their men are the bravest and their women are the fairest. I mean, isn't that true with every country? And the man replied to him with gravity as if he was very serious and said, yes, but in England that's true. 
And we can sometimes do that ourselves. Well, God loves all nations on earth, but He has a special place in His heart for America. God loves all nations on earth, but America matters more than the others because God is using America to save the world. When we get into that kind of thinking, then a love for country becomes a distorted false God, and it's no longer a love. And again, I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with these things. It's just that we have to be very careful with these noble loves. Even our love for our church. Isn't it strange that at times when people have been defenders of the faith, or they have said that I will sacrifice all for the true church, and then they behave in ways that are very ungodly. We pray our hypocritical prayers. Oh Lord, thank you for putting us in this church, this church that we will give our all for. We're so glad that we're not like those other stupid people who think that they're worshiping you. They're so deluded and immature, God. You see, it becomes a false God. These are confused for God, or they're even confused for God's will. And we can do everything right, and we can get all of the observable outward appearances down just right. But if we don't love God in that, or rather, if we don't appreciate that God is love, then we'll be following something that is like God, but it's not God. One of the things that Lewis points out in his book is is that like is not same. Just because any of these loves might be very much like God and be very much like God's mind and heart and spirit, they are not the same as God. And I want to take you back. Well, first, John puts it this way. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And you know, as soon as we read that verse in chapter 2, verse 15, it's real easy to hear him say, don't love the world or anything in the world. And immediately, the images that pop up on our mind is, John's talking about the red light district. Oh, yeah. That's that place down there, you know, where you have all that raunchy stuff, and, you know, you have all the the dirty people hanging out there. That's right. That's the world. That's the world. Look at these lists of selfish loves and noble loves. All of these things, even if they're great and noble, they are still of this world. There is good in our church. But we are not God. There is good in our country, but it is of this world. There is good in our families, but they are of this world. If we love these things in the world the same way we're meant to love God, then we reduce them and they become idols. I want to take you back to an earlier sermon series, again from 1 John where we were talking about light. And walking in the light is important if we're going to have our eyes open so that we know the difference between God who is love and the temptation to turn our loves into God. He says anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness and they don't know where they are going because the darkness had blinded them. Now I ask you, how can someone claim to be in the light and claim to love God but hate a brother or sister? How do you not catch that? How do you not notice that? 
Doesn't it seem like those two should not be anything that any of us should ever have to deal with? I mean, isn't that just obvious? I want to take you back to this too, and I want to add to it this notion that God is love versus this false notion that love is God. When we are in the light, and we are walking in God's light, and we know God, then we are purified, we're forgiven, we live in the truth. God is love, and so we know His love, so we love others, and we are obedient. But when we veer off into the darkness, the darkness is is not just those selfish loves and those shameful things. Darkness can be a form of self-righteousness where being right, having the correct doctrine, saying that we are without sin, it's those other people that are without that with sin. When, when, when I am struggling and I say, you don't understand, I have done everything and I've prayed to God, you don't understand, it's those people. If those people would change what they're doing, if, the, if that other group would quit saying what they're saying and quit doing what they were doing, then we could have a good nation again. We could have a decent church again. I could be a better person if the rest of my family would just quit giving me the business. Do you see how very quickly the darkness makes us want to be godly people, but we learn to hate. We learn to have contempt. That's because our love has become our God. Let's accept that God is love. So what? So what? Since God is love, what do we do? What do we do here, Apostle John? What do we do, preacher? All right, four things. First, Love one another is the original message. That's the way John puts it. He says, I'm not giving you a new command. Whatever you've been through, whatever conflict you've been through, whatever changes you've been through, if you're worried that you know, maybe what I'm thinking is out of date, maybe we're learning more, maybe we've just got a lot of old fuddy-duddy ideas, maybe, we're all, you know, maybe we've bought into something that's ancient and doesn't exist anymore, John says, look, the command that you've had from day one from the Lord is, is still the same command. Love one another. That's 1 John 2.7. That's, that's 1 John 3.11. In 2.7, he says, I'm not writing you a new command. I'm writing you an old one. This is what you need to hear. It's the one you've heard from the beginning. And he doesn't even tell him what the old command is there. But in 3.11, he says, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. That's core. Why? Because God is love. And if God is love and we want to know God, then we're going to be like Him and we're going to love one another. It's that simple. Secondly, love comes from God, not the world. And this is the one that will trip us up if we're not careful. Because we'll be looking for sources of love in the world. We'll be looking for love in a relationship. We'll be looking for love in our society. We'll be looking for love in other people, in our church even. We will want those things to love us. We will be pursuing romance. We will be pursuing relationships. We'll be trying to save the creation. We will even look at the law and we'll cherish it the way we cherish Scripture. But love doesn't come from any of those things. Those things have to go to the source of love the same way you and I do. Love comes from God. 
In chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, Dear friends, let's love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. If you want to know how to love your family, if you want to know how to love your church, if you want to know how to love your nation, if you want to know how to really truly be in a genuine relationship with somebody, then look to God who is love. That's your source of love. And then you can rely on God's love. This is where we get a certain amount of peace. This is where we have a lowering of anxiety. Don't we all want to lower our anxieties? Yeah. Don't we all want to reduce our worry? Because you see, when love is God, then we will do anything for that love. We'll do anything at church to make sure that people love us. We want people to love us. Here's a dated reference. We'll be like Sally Field at the Academy Awards. You love me. You really love me. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter. It's not even a good reference anyway. But the point is, we'll do anything to get people to love us. We've got to do more and more. Why? We've got to get people in here. Why? Because we have to be approved. We have to be affirmed. I'm going to do anything to get that person to want me and like me. I want to make sure that I'm, that I'm accepted. And we're not following God. We're following our loves. And when we have God's love, we don't need anything else. It supplies all of our needs. And we rely on that love, and then we can truly live. Jesus could do what he did because he was defined by God's love. He knew his relationship with his Father. And we can know that too. Uh, Again, in chapter 4, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He's given us of his Spirit. And we've seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. We had people this week make decisions to follow Jesus. You know why? Because they said, of all the things we're looking for, what we need, what we need, all we need is God's love. We're going to rely on His love. And that's truly living. And if you're wondering why life is so difficult sometimes, ask yourself, well, what are you relying on? Are you relying on controlling other people, setting other people up? Are you relying on getting more likes, getting more people to come to your events, getting more people to pay attention to you? Are you trying to argue with others to get them to agree with you? What is it? Or are you relying on God's love? Because when we rely on God's love, we truly can live. And by the way, when you do that, then you don't have this worry, this constant worry of, am I following God or am I following one of my loves? He will give you His Spirit. Those false loves cannot give you their Spirit. That doesn't work. This is love. God loved us and sent His Son. That's an important part of this. Nothing else in this world has given you what God who is love has given you. No one else. So that in, we read in, in 410, this is love. Now, I want, you, I want you to hear this, okay? Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. I want to examine that. I want to put it on the screen here. This is real love. Not 
that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I've got to be honest with you folks. Sometimes we have made following Jesus all about proving to ourselves and to others how much we love God. You know, we sang, uh, uh, there is a name I love to hear, you know. Boy, you remember the part of it we used to do? Hey, boys, do you love Jesus? Hey, girls, do you love Jesus? You know, hey, whoever, elders, do you love Jesus? You know, <laughs> you know boy, we make everybody, what are you going to do? You know, is somebody going to get mid-song and go, you know, not sure about that, still working on it. Oh, no, we want to show off and prove to everybody, you know, three cheers for Jesus. We love Jesus. We want to show everybody that we love Jesus. Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you done this? And John is saying, you don't get it. How much you love God is not the point. The point is how much He loves you. The point is how much He has loved you. Now, it's natural then for you to love Him because of that. That's good. But again, it's what He did. His sacrifice. He's made things right. He has settled things. Why then would we put a burden of shame and regret and anxiety on ourselves or anyone else saying, I just don't know that some days I love Jesus enough. The answer is, you don't. (laughs) But He loves you. Now, you know, if you haven't ever heard this before, John's letter, 1 John, ends with a really strange statement. Some people don't even think it's supposed to be there. I remember there was one theory at one time that John was so old that he just kind of lost his place and he was just like, "Uh, dear children, keep yourself from idols. Like right at the end of this whole thing about love and he's just like, oh yeah, I got one more thing to tell you before I go. Stay away from idols. Okay. Thanks, John. But doesn't it make sense now? Hmm? Because an idol is a false god. And even focusing on our ability to love God more than anybody else. We saw the Pharisees doing that. We see legalists doing that. Can't we understand how that's a false God then? But it catches us, doesn't it? And then we think, if I love God more, then He's going to make my family better. If I love God more then He's going to make my side win. If I love God more, then He's going to make my country succeed. If I love God more, and all this time, the Apostle John has been saying, you know, stay away from those kind of idols, little kids. Real love is not how much you've loved Him or do love Him. Real love is how much He loves you. And He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away your sins. When we go around the Lord's Supper table this morning, there's going to be a lot of us who are going to say, I don't know, I'm I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not worthy. And I've got news for you. You're not. Not a single one of you. Yes, examine yourself. I mean, Scripture says that, but you know what it's talking about? It's saying, do you understand what's going on here? It's like saying, pay attention, check yourself. Know what this is. No, you're never going to get worthy enough to come to God's royal heavenly table but he loves you and he wants you there and he's invited you and that
That's love. God is love. Let's sing this song and then we'll gather around the Lord's supper table.